0: For example, um, a bunch of companies in the e-commerce, crypto, electric vehicle space basically to look at where their business strategy wants to go and then assessing markets like India, Mexico, even the United States to say, look, here's what market expects of you. And if you drive your business in that particular direction, um, you're going to have what we call a stakeholder multiplier. Um, where it's not just your shareholders and the government, which are your big end up becoming your allies, but local community, et cetera. So it's beyond CSR, um, basically bringing reputation to the core of the executive suite is how we do that. And then I also um, run the Pakistan Initiative at the Atlantic Council, which is a DC based okay. think tank. All right. So we started that last year. I joined in November. Uh, Building that out, mainly looking at um, Pakistan's political economy, so diversifying away from the security lens, which has been very common in D.C., and looking at things like potential for crypto in Pakistan, technology sector, emerging economy issues like potential for a blue economy and things like that. So we do a lot of the research and advocacy and engagement in Washington and in Islamabad on Hey, there's a different way to look at the country and on both sides. And let's look at more economic, trade, investment ties than hard than security.
1: Okay, excellent. Very good. Excellent.
0: So I'm excited for this conversation. It's it's something that, you know, I grew up hearing a lot about Thurcol, and I'm glad that it is expanding, it's rocking, and 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 you and your team are playing an excellent role in that. So You know, the way the format works uh, is I'll quickly introduce you, um, talk a bit about what we're going to discuss in the episode with you, and then we'll jump in. And I want to start with sort of, you know, help having you explain the journey of this project from 92 to today. Like a lot of us grew up hearing about this, that was something that was going to be a game changer, but it was only a few years in the past that it became, uh, you know, operational and then the impact is being seen. So we can start with that. And then go into expansion, what's next, the third area, etc. Does that work?
1: Yeah, perfectly fine. And how much time do we have?
0: We have about 45 minutes. We can go longer if you want, but I try to keep them at about 30 to 45 minutes um, as a conversation. maybe
1: I would like to keep it crisp and keep it close to 30 because then audience, they start to drop. And nobody today in this generation will listen to (laughs) anything even more than 18 20 minutes is too long yeah uh, so unless we can really create some excitement uh, to keep our audience uh, glued to the screen even 30 minutes is going to be a challenge
0: sure that that works for me uh, ask the guests to recommend books at the end so just something if you want to keep in the back of your mind, and it can be on any topic, but it's something that audience usually enjoys. I run a reading list on, from my guests on Twitter, and you know they, they enjoy the fact that there is a long and growing reading list for people that they can revert to based on guests that have on, been on the podcast. Okay. Great. All right, cool. Let me start, and then we'll jump right in. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistany. My name is Uzair Yunus, and today I have the honor of having with me Mr. Amarik Iqbal. He is the CEO of Sindh Angro Coal Mining Company and the Thur Foundation, um, has 27 years of experience working in Pakistan, Australia, parts of Africa, um, and has served in a whole host of corporate roles in Pakistan, including the CEO for Angro Agri Trade. Chief Commercials Officer for Angro Fertilizer, and CEO and Managing Director for Bayer Pakistan. Um, And we're going to talk today about something that at least I and many of you who are listening and watching uh, grew up hearing a lot about, which is the potential of Tharkol. Um, 1992 is when coal was discovered, and my teenage years, Uh, I seldom recall a week where there was not a story about the potential for TAR and its role in energy security in Pakistan and transforming Pakistan. Uh, But this project only became operational in the recent past. It was part of the early harvest projects of CPEC. Um, And it's also one of those projects that in a country like Pakistan, where the sovereign doesn't have a great relationship with investors, um, it stands out as a public-private partnership model, uh, where the government of Sindh holds a majority stake and has worked with the private sector, including the financial sector, including Chinese stakeholders and Pakistani stakeholders, on making this work out and growing uh, the project and its impact. So, uh, Amir Saab, thank you so much for taking out the time today, and, and welcome to Pakistan me. Yes, al alaikum.
1: and thank you very much for inviting me for this talk. And I can see that uh, that passion and that level of interest in your tone, So I'm very very happy. It only helps me to to narrate this uh, beautiful story that we 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 have created. The team has created.
0: No, so let's jump right in and 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 you know maybe have you explain how something uh, in Thar, you know, an area that in popular imagination is considered very backward, obviously has a lot of its own unique social challenges. Which we'll get to later on in this discussion. But how does a project like Tharkol become operational through a public-private partnership model in a country where if you ask just general economic observers about working with government, they will say it's not going to happen. But Tharkol stands out as, as the success story. So how, how did this come about?
1: So uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the commitment and the, and the passion of the of the team and the stakeholders. So it all started, as you said, uh, It all started in 1992 when uh, very large uh, um, coal reserves were identified. And just to to put this in context uh, for everyone, uh, it's jaw-dropping. Pakistan, in Thar, we have coal resources which are equivalent in terms of heating value of the oil combined together of Saudi Arabia and Iran. 175 billion uh, tons of, of coal, which can produce uh, uh, 100,000 megawatts uh, for 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 20-25 uh, years. So this is a huge resource, natural resource that we are we are sitting on. We have been blessed that we are sitting on. So initially, and as you said, the the biggest challenge was when in 1992 and even after uh, in the early 90s, there were a number of smaller projects which were uh, initiated based on this finding and the results were not very encouraging. And and, and, uh, very reputable scientists and geologists, they said this this, uh, coal is not usable. It's very poor quality. You cannot take it out of the ground. As soon as you will take it out of the ground, it will burn and, and so on. So there's so it was all covered with, uh, with different myths and different, uh, different uh, assumptions. In, 19, in end of, um, or um, in uh, 2008, 2009, uh, after there were a couple of uh, uh, unsuccessful pilots or projects, uh, the Governor of Sin initiated um, a dialogue or they, they, they circulated a, 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 a tender for inviting companies to submit their their bids and to submit their uh, proposals to uh, to develop uh, thirdpol and in uh, 2008 nine time or, uh, or 2000 yeah 2009 Angro uh, submitted um, a letter of a- a interest and a proposal and the basic concept was that Angro believed that they have the capability or at least they have the uh, the the uh, the appetite to take that risk and if that risk deliver uh, it can really help pakistan solve uh, one of its uh, core issues of of energy uh, a joint venture was uh, was uh, was signed uh, in uh, 2009 2010 and that is where this journey really started uh, at that time uh, our teams and uh, we we still have those people in our team that they used to go to thar and they would set up literally they would set up tents and stay there at night to to start exploring a, a pole so anyways uh, so we we started uh, working on this in early 20s and uh, in 2015 we started the the first uh, digging of the first hole and then everything is history. Uh, in 2019, we started our commercial production in July. So next week, we are going to be, Marshall, as a three years in operations and uh, successful operations. Now, Zed, you, you, you specifically asked a question about um, our experience of this uh, PPP. So this is a very interesting setup. So we have, on one side, we have Governor of Sin, which has almost 54% uh, share in in equity. Then we have uh, Angro, we have House of Habib, we have Hapco, and we have uh, Habib Bank. So on one side, we have some of the best and the biggest, most trusted uh, corporate sector names and their wisdom and their resources. And on on the other side, uh, with us, uh, partnering with us is Governor of Sin. And so far, this, this collaboration, this partnership, this JV has really worked very, very well. And and this has been, um, whatever we see on ground today is a is result of this. And I must say that, and this is, a, uh, that without government of Sindh and the, the contribution which they have done, this project would not have uh, been where it is today. Because they invested upfront in terms of developing infrastructure, there they've invested almost seven hundred uh, million dollars in infrastructure, in providing uh, um, in providing land, in provide develop, developing policies, developing 3rd pole energy board. So a very transparent, independent board. So so far the the experience has been been very very good. Alhamdulillah.
0: That's amazing to hear, and, and, and you know, I was doing some research and reading um, on, on what's next in this project, right? And there's a lot of talk, particularly right now, about this resource that Pakistan has been blessed with, about Leveraging it to solve some of the energy security challenges, import reliance, et cetera. Um, and then there was articles about how increasingly third coal may be used at other power plants, transported through rail links or highways, et cetera. Um, what is the status of these expansion plans? Where are we headed to in terms of this project's role um, in the broader energy sector of Pakistan? And, and what is Engro looking at in terms of the next five, seven, eight years in terms of expansion?
1: okay so um, so first of all if you look at it, if the last three years we have been uh, we are providing coal to one um, plant which is angro um, power pa- third limited which is a mine mouth plant of 660 uh, megawatt so so far if you look at last three years we have already produced and pro- supplied Almost 11 uh, million ton of coal, which has produced um, 10,000 uh, 10, uh, 10, um, uh, gigawatt to the to the grid. Now we have two more 330, 330 plants coming up uh, at the mine mouth within this by end of this year. So in next three months time, our mine capacity, which is currently 3.8 million ton, will expand to 7.6. And by end of 2022 inshallah we will be producing or uh, uh, different parties will be producing 1320 uh, megawatt uh, to our, uh, to our providing uh, to our national grid through Thco. Uske baad we are looking at um, multiple options uh, now. Uh, first, uh, we already have another power plant uh, of um, uh, agreement with uh, Lucky, which is at Port Kasem. So that will be another 660. Uh, inshallah, uh, end of next year, we should be able to, to, to supply them. So ne- by next year, we will be providing all. Uh, and then there is another uh, in block one. So we have block two. So block one, which is sh- uh, Shanghai, ch- uh, China, Shanghai, uh, China um, Resource Limited. They have 13, uh, 20 megawatt also coming. So by next, end of next year, uh, you will find almost 3,300 megawatt wind produced through thar, uh, thar uh, energy or thar coal. Moving forward, we are looking into three, four different uh, options, and this is all uh, work in progress. The first low-hanging fruit uh, is uh, to convert the uh, four IPPs uh, plants which are on uh, currently on the imported coal. Uh, we are working with with the government. We are working with these IPPs on how do we convert them uh, partially or fully on coal So that's that is one thing that we are there, that we are uh, uh, piloting or we are doing technical studies. The other uh, big ticket item is um, is uh, cement industry because uh, uh, one of the biggest imp- uh, uh, coal import sector category is uh, cement. So how can we convert uh, uh, how can we use thar, sem- uh, thar coal um, for, for cement? And then the third, which is uh, a longer term uh, vision is how can we gasify and convert it into things like fertilizer, uh, convert it to, to diesel and so on and so forth. So over a period of time, our aspiration is that we move from, uh, from energy security to even food security and other other areas, because at the end of the day, uh, coal is a source of energy, and wherever energy is being used, how can we replace
0: it? And so one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I've heard this going up, continue to hear this is like, you know, third coal catches on fire very easily, therefore transporting it is a big risk. Um, And that, you know, that's the reason why the power production initially has been happening by by the mine itself and now as you expand and look forward to transporting it right whether it's to lucky or to other groups moving forward um how how are we dealing from a technological innovation perspective in terms of that risk of coal Uh, because again it's something that you hear consistently on the media and i would love for you to sort of demystify this thing for our listeners because There's two things with coal, particularly in in mainstream debate that come up with It's about this issue. And second, it's like, hey, this is environmentally not feasible. The world is moving away from coal. Why is Pakistan going towards coal at a time when the world is abandoning it, which again, is not true. Even Germany just recently announced because of the crisis, they're going back to coal. Um, So energy security trumps everything else. But I would love for you to demystify some of these things for our listeners. Okay so
1: so i think because, um, this coal so let's understand this coal is, a, is is lignite so a lignite coal is not uh, the, the the best quality coal it is a lower grade coal um, and it is relatively a younger coal uh, so isme uh, so when, when we started uh, we uh, in 2018-19 we conducted a very detailed study uh, through our German uh, consultant RWE, and they, they, they did a, a, a very in-depth coal um, coal study uh, both in terms of its uh, combustion and also in terms of its transportation. And the result and the result was very clear that it is this myth of transporting is, is not correct. Uh, say after so uh, so after our initial uh, uh, technical study and then we did some trial, but just to give you a comfort, last year in two thousand and twenty one, we transported almost 288,000 tons of coal to Lucky at Port or uh, via trucks, and there was not a single incidence. Where it uh, it uh, caught fire or, or anything like that, we have done transportation trial uh, even till uh Miyawali. we have done uh, transportation trials to other areas also alhamdulillah uh, in three years we have had uh, not a single incidence and uh, and and uh, if you look around so Indonesia is exporting it to other countries via uh, via, uh, sea freight, uh, in, uh, in Germany, it is being transported in uh, South Africa, not South Africa, but in Indonesia, it is transported extensively. So it's, uh, you have to be careful, uh, and, but then it is very much transportable. So now as a next step, we have also done a, a very detailed study on its uh, rail transportation, because normally rail is the, the preferred mode because uh, doing uh, going by road, it increases the road transportation and then with uh, trucks on road, it increases other sort of uh, safety issues also. So we, we have done a very detailed uh, uh, study of uh, trail, uh, rail transportation. It is very safe. And uh, now we are working very closely with the government to establish a rail link between uh, a port and to the main line in Chor, which is a 105 uh, kilometer project. And if that it gets done and government is very, very committed and very serious in, in getting it implemented in uh, at a very fast track. So if that happens, um, third pole will, will get opened uh, for, for, the, for the world. We will have. Uh, we can export it. We can use it in other industries. We can do whatever we want. So that that will be a game changer. The uh, the, the rail connection between Islamabad and the and the and the rest of the country.
0: Well, that's going to be exciting, especially in terms of you know reviving the rail industry in a way in Pakistan as well. Because as you said, from a freight perspective, whether it's coal or other things. Rail is more feasible, less prone to accidents, cheaper from a per tonnage basis, generally speaking as well. Um, so looking forward to that being operationalized because it gives confidence to other actors to say, hey, the government is committed and they can pull off a hundred kilometer project and maybe 500 and then we go to a thousand, etc." cetera. Um, so exciting about that. Let's turn to energy security, because obviously in in today's moment, today's time, uh, that's top of mind for policymakers, people all over the world, especially in Pakistan, given um, the expensive nature of LNG. You can't find LNG in the global markets at this point. Um, Pakistan's energy security has been consistently at risk for decades, and once more, we're feeling the pain. Um, The people are feeling the pain of expensive power and expensive fuel. Um, What's your take on, On how and whether even Pakistan can move towards energy security and the role Thar can play, and again this idea that coal is the fuel of the past, so let's abandon it. Like you know, what's your take on its role, particularly Thar's role in Pakistan's energy security?
1: So first, let me talk about um, about Thar's role in the uh, uh, in the energy grid. So first, uh, we need to understand that coal has its as its environmental issues i cannot hide away from the uh, and i cannot just say that nah, nah, coal is, is great coal has its environment uh, environmental issues we need to see how do we manage it like other countries are managing it If agar, dekhun, uh, agar uh, pakistan Pakistan's, uh, uh, electric grid still is relatively greener If agar can to pakistan ke andir, uh, coal key production is close to 10 percent contribute almost 10 percent contribution to the national grid whereas if I look at uh, countries like uh, like China almost 57 58 percent 60 percent is is coal India almost 50 percent is coming from coal and if I look at developed countries like uh, uh, like uh, US 12 um, percent Germany uh, 17 18 percent. Australia, 28%. So I think, Hameh, uh, we need to look at and, and find a good balance between our energy sustainability, economic sustainability versus environmental
0: sustainability. And then, sorry to interrupt you here, but you know just to put those numbers in perspective, all of those countries you mentioned produce a lot more power. So that percentage yes. in terms of production also and consumption of coal is significantly, if not exponentially, <laughs> larger than Pakistan's
1: kulkul apne there is no comparison there is literally three point eight million d mine we are we are operating three point eight million mine china operates almost four billion billion on a regular basis india is almost a billion so there is so, no comparison so so this this a debate that coal, coal is has its is it has its it has its, it, its issues, but Pakistan, we are at a stage where we are we have to focus on our industrial development, our economic growth. So, environment is very important, but we need to set the priorities right and give more priority to our economic growth. In our economic growth, one of the fundamental hurdles is our uh, energy. A uh, cost of energy as well as availability of of energy, and. Or, uske thar can definitely play uh, a very important role. So, is agar if I talk about numbers, so agar jo aaj ka if I look at, if I look at the, uh, the power production, the energy production costs. If I look at different uh, different sectors, so if i look at imported coal imported coal today is uh, the, the unit per, uh, per per unit cost is around 45 rupees per unit if i look at uh, lng it is uh, uh, in 30s 30 36 40 rupees whereas if you look at uh, look at thar coal uh, it is currently at 15 16 rupees but next year when we expand to the third phase, we will come down to 12 rupees or close to 10 rupees. And as we continue to expand, we will continue to uh, bring this cost down. Today, uh, the, the, the power plant that we, uh, we provide a uh, to, which is uh, EPTL, it comes on, on the merit list. It comes on third level, uh, number three. Which means, for, for audience, that means that the fuel cost of uh, that plant is um, third cheapest. And the two top ones are, one is the new, uh, nuclear plant, the other is OH power. So we are that competitive. And just imagine if we increase our contribution in the national grid to 20-25%, the overall basket price of of electricity will come down dramatically, which will not only enable uh, and control inflation, but more importantly, it will make us more competitive. Our industries, our exports more competitive with the regional players um, to compete in in global markets. So this third energy... And the other, the third coal today, what is happening that today, the fuel this year, the fuel bill for Pakistan would be on north of 20 billion, 20 to 24 billion. So if we, the more we switch to, uh, to third coal, we are not only saving um, on, on energy prices, but more importantly, we are saving on, on foreign exchange. That's a big one of the biggest things. So uh, because our issues, we have two issues: Pakistan current account deficit, and the other one is our uh, competitiveness in the international market. So THAR has a potential to address both of these these big challenges. But obviously, uh-huh. this will take time, and this will take a consistent effort not only by our, uh, by us, but by other uh, blocs also, by government also, by providing conducive environment and consistent policies, and, and so on and so forth.
0: I'm glad you brought up you brought up the current account deficit bit because a lot of times, even the last few months, people have been talking about banning cheese and dog food and cat food. And, and, and my view to them is like just look at our import bill. Okay. Um, it's mainly three big components: uh, machinery, which any developing country needs, um, pulses and agricultural products, which we can have an energy, agri-food security policy to begin growing some of these things, which includes palm oil and pulses majorly. Um, And then it's energy. And again, the energy component, as you explained, has a cost impact and a competitiveness impact on top of the current account deficit impact, which then if you talk about regionally, you know, power tariffs at regional parity, et cetera, you cannot have it when India and China and others are producing cheaper coal and we're relying on imported energy that is expensive. So again, that helps solve not all of the problems around competitiveness, but energy is a huge component in terms of cost um, in Pakistan. So I'm glad you brought that up because people missed that conversation lot of times as well, that you know, for a country like Pakistan that needs over a million and a half jobs for its youth, um, that needs to grow at a pretty brisk pace and has failed to do it for decades, um, cheap power um, is essential. And so long as we are not energy secure, there will always be these recurring crises, and, and TARC can help solve some of that uh, problem as well the other thing that you know comes up in 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 mainstream debate and i would love for you to talk about is given uh, your role you at the thar foundation's role in terms of the socio economic work within thar it's a backward part of the country has been for years disconnected um the only headlines uh if there are any about thar um, beyond thar coal are about crises about water nutrition etc in in the region um, what has been your organization's approach to working with the local community in Thar about empowering them, giving them development, um, and especially as it relates to empowerment of women and job creation for them?
1: A very interesting question. And, and thank you, because that is really what the, uh, one of the most exciting part of my my job is, is the contribution that we are doing in Thar. And um, so, th- if you look at Tharparkar, Tharparkar Thar is one of the uh, ha- has one of the lowest HDI in Pakistan. I think in uh, in 114 districts, uh, Tharparkar is 109 or 110th uh, in ranking. So, one of the lowest. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of of Thar, you think of drought. You think of of uh, uh, children dying. You think think of uh, uh, peacocks uh, uh, dying and, and and so on and so forth. So when SECMC started this operation, we knew that our success is based on the community engagement and our acceptance at the community level. That was our uh, going in premise. And the model that we uh, we followed was the uh, was a model where we said we will invest in CSR, we will invest in community first, and then we'll do the business later. And the result of this is that we did upfront uh, investment in uh, in com- community, whereas our project uh, started uh, w- w- came on commercial production in 2009. Whereas Third Foundation has been working since 2015, 16 uh, on, on ground. So what are our, our priorities over there? Our One of our biggest priority has been um, job creation. So um, when we started the, the project um, in in Pakistan, there was very little uh, know-how or the skill set of open pit mining. There's an open pit mine. There's not a tunnel underground mining. So this is a very different ball game. Um we uh, so we, and we started with Chinese contractor with with a lot of Chinese uh, uh, workers, but over a period of time we have moved, and today we have almost seventy percent of the employees are local um, local slum port and in broader uh, areas. We have invested in developing their their capacity capability and capacity through uh, initiatives uh, that which we have done ourselves and through our, our collaborators. Uh, and over a period of time, we are our vision is that we will convert all the the operations on ground uh, with Pakistanis and with majority from from uh, from Sin. Similarly, uh, we have invested. If you look at our our portfolio, we have uh, we have invested in. Uh, we have a full hospital there, uh, which serves almost uh, twenty five thousand uh, to thirty thousand patients every year uh, f- completely free of cost including the medicines and we are expanding on it we are adding new faculties we are adding new uh, new facilities over there similarly uh, we are running schools over there and uh, in collaboration with, uh, with other partners and we are uh, we have uh, an active enrollment of more than 4,000 uh, uh, children and, the, and you'll be uh, glad to hear that almost 40 to 50% of this enrollment is uh, girls and we provide them not only school we provide them uh, curriculum uniforms uh, transport uh, to a great extent we provide them transportation also it also has created jobs because most of the teachers are are uh, are, are lo- local uh, uh, teachers um, we run a livelihood pro- programs. We run uh, um, other community engagement. You will be surprised that working with uh, with government of Sen during the COVID period, Thar Parker had ha- one of the highest vaccination rates in the in the country, and we got special award from uh, from the president of the country. Uh, it was an initiative by government of Sen. We just supported them. Similarly, uh, r- things like polio drive, hepatitis drive, so over there, the, a change is coming. We are operating uh, our uh, reverse osmosis pl- uh, plants, uh, where we are providing um, uh, clean drinking water to almost more than 30,000 people over there. Um, now coming to women empowerment, so. Two, three big initiatives. Uh, very excitingly, when we started the project, um, we identified that mostly women stay at home, and maximum they do is they either go out to fetch water. So most of our RO plants are today operated by women, local women. Uh, similarly, we did another program which was recognized globally. We so we have these big uh, trucks, uh, dumper trucks, where, where, through which we transport coal from our site to our uh, to energy plant. So these are now being run by local women. So we have trained almost 70, 75 women. And these are huge trucks. These are not cars. These are big trucks. Uh, and they're operating successfully with zero uh, incidents uh, so far. And we will continue to build on it. They operate, uh, we, we have a, p- a full mechanism where they, they come in the morning, we, we have a transport, they come in, uh, to our site. We've even started daycare center for them. In Thar, we have a daycare center where if a woman wants to come and uh, she has a small uh, a child, uh, that child can stay free of cost in a, in a daycare center. She works there in a, in a good environment, respectable environment, and then we uh, drop her back uh, um, in, the, in the evening when the shift ends. So these are some of the initiatives that we have taken, and, um, and when you go to THIRD, you see this. However, um, uh, to be honest, there is so much yet to be done. There is so much yet to be done. Because uh, as you said, Thar, uh, is a very backward uh, area, very underdeveloped area, although we have invested substantially and we are committed that we will continue to do that.
0: Well, that's great that, you know, you've taken the initiative in terms of leading with community engagement first and and there's a lot of impact already there and one hopes that As things expand, you know, that impact is seen in terms of the growth job opportunities and the economic development of of this part of Pakistan as well. And again, it's one of those incidents, right, where we often sort of hear things and stories that perhaps don't jive with the impact and the transformation that's already happening. And one hopes that momentum continues. Um, Speaking of momentum, you've sort of talked about expansion where we headed, energy security, et cetera. Um, From your perspective, obviously, you look at a lot of risks brewing not only in the Pakistani political economy, but also globally, right? So what is top of mind for you in terms of as you look at the next phase of development of this project, um, five, 10 years into the future, what are some risks that you are actively thinking about and trying to mitigate as you pursue this expansion plan?
1: So, um, they, as, as, uh, we are, uh, uh, as we discussed earlier, one of the biggest risks that I see is the continuous uh, advocacy against, uh, against coal. So, we have to ensure that we... Uh, we so, and, and for expansion, for us it is important because for expansion we need more lending, we need uh, equity, we need uh, funds. And we, we, we have already started to experience that the funds in coal are drying up very, very fast. So we have to find innovative ways to fund this the expansion through our own resources, through our own uh, financing models, and also uh, prove uh, to our lenders or to our potential investors that what we are doing is we are uh, we are we are environmentally friendly. We are following environmental global environmental benchmarks. Uh, we are investing in, uh, in ESGs, uh, ESG goals, and, and so on and so forth. So to me, the biggest challenge is how do we keep third coal um, uh, uh, kosher. So we continue to get lending and investors uh, in this.
0: Yeah. And I think that that, that's a global issue. I think even I was talking to a friend of mine in the oil and gas sector and he was saying cost of capital is going up because of some of these similar environmental concerns, which again, climate change is real. It's coming down the pipe. It's it's the impact even in Pakistan with the heat wave we saw this summer um, and wheat output and mango output issues is there. Uh, But as we've discussed over here, right, that it's energy security is also important. Cheap cost of power is also important for a developing country like Pakistan. And I think we also need to be a bit frank, especially in discussions with international actors, that Pakistan or even for that matter, a country like India is not responsible for climate change. The Industrial Revolution began in the West and the developed countries ought to share a bigger burden of that. And if Germany is going to start lighting up coal because energy security is important (laughs) for them, then perhaps people should go to Europe and to the United States and even to China first uh, before knocking on Pakistan's door to say, hey, you shouldn't be pursuing energy security uh, for your own selves first. Um, So I think it's, it's one of those things that's going to be more and more diplomatically challenging to navigate, but I think Pakistani diplomats ought to Uh, take that on the chin and then take that conversation head on with developed countries because that's how um, we can secure our own energy needs as well. And and local energy is important and a big component of that. Um, This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, Before I let you go, again, wishing you and your team all the best, wishing the people of all the best in terms of this project and its expansion. Um, but before I let you go, I was asked my guests what are two or three books you would recommend. It can be on any topic, um, but would love your recommendations to, to add to this growing list of reader reading recommendations that we have going as well.
1: Okay, uh, interesting question. But uh, before I, uh, I come to that, one of my last uh, comment on this is that, and you 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 are very right that we see we hear a lot of things about coal in Pakistan and the environmental impact. And I would request people like you and others who are, especially who are connected with the youth and also connected with international um, uh, think tanks to create that awareness that for us, for, uh, for a developing country, energy is, is the name of the game. And, and coal, if we manage it correctly, has its own uh, advantages. So let us work in this whole area. There is a lot of negativity, which has to be, and which is based on myths and mis- misinterpretations. So I would request you and people who are listening on this uh, po- through this podcast, please create that, uh, understand the facts first. And I'm very, very positive. If anybody wants to visit the, our mind, uh, we encourage you to come and see what we have done on ground. And look at the, 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 the positive impact that it, the, this project potentially can, then can, can can create for the country in terms of food security, in terms of energy security, in, in terms of forex saving. So, this is huge. So, let's put our, our priorities clear and give the, the world a, a clear message. And then it becomes the ball comes to our court where how do we advocate and how do we put up our case to the investors? and to the broader audience. But I'm very grateful to you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, very good uh, discussion. So the books. So I think one of the books that I am reading these days and I encourage uh, everyone to read is a Dare to, Re- to Lead, uh, Brene Brown. Uh, she's a great author. She talks about vulnerability. She talks about shame. She talks about anxiety and, and so on and so forth. It's a great read and it's an easy read. Um, the other, uh, book that I always find very, very, uh, interesting. And I encourage young people is habit. I, I, for, I forgotten the name of the author, but it, that again is a very good book. It talks about individual habits, organizational habits, and, uh, national habits. How are they created? Uh, how do, uh, how do they develop and, and so on and so forth? Um. Think fast, think slow. That also is a very it's. that's a little, uh, little more com- difficult read, uh, but it's a very, very insightful uh, read. I read it a couple of times before I can really get uh, some, some something out of it.
0: Yeah, thinking fast and slow. I, I agree thinking, with you. Yeah. It's a more it's more of an academic read, but I think it's an essential read, especially for digitally native millennials and Gen Z folks, because <laughs> you know, in this age of social media uh and and instant gratification we're just consistently you know used to thinking fast and the concept of the book in terms of explaining is that there are two parts of your brain and sometimes you need to slow down which then makes sense right it's like the intuitive thing we often hear is the best ideas come to you in the shower or in the bathroom it's because your slow brain is activated essentially Mm. and so anyone who wants to jump a bit deeper Uh, into these academic, scientifically proven concepts should read that book. It's a phenomenal read. Uh, But Amir Saab, thank you so much for taking out the time. Um, Really appreciated you joining us and for helping sort of explain where Thar coal is, where it's headed, um, and its role in Pakistan's own economic development. So wish you and your team all the best. And inshallah, when I'm in Pakistan, I would love to visit Thar and, and check out the operations there in person myself. But until then, uh, wish you and your team all the best.
1: Thank you very much. And I look forward to uh, hosting you uh, one, one of these days.